to the Two Northern Lasses podcast. Um, it is, what date is it today? Thursday the 25th of June. Um, we're recording on Zoom, so hopefully there won't be any um, audio issues. As they have, you know, some, It's a bit hit and miss at the moment, but we're getting there. Um, so yeah, what, how are you Michelle? What have you been doing since I saw you last week? Yeah, I've I've had a really varied week work-wise. I last week was my third anniversary of leaving Cisco, so uh, I've sort of had a bit of time to sort of reflect on um, what I've been doing over the last three years. And I put a post on LinkedIn, um, just sort of saying it's three years since I left. I had no idea what I was going to do except take a break. I've now got this sort of blended career, which I'm absolutely loving. And what I really like is that I had loads of really nice comments and feedback about the change that I made in my life back then. And just private messages as well. And, and I've reconnected with two people that I've not actually heard of for like 15 years. Nice. Um, so I'm really, really pleased about that. And, you know, I definitely made the right decision and never Still looked the back. best thing you ever did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah, career-wise. So that's that's been good from a work point of view. For those listeners that know, I baked a cake last week and it sunk like the Titanic. <laughs> so I then get feedback from the 17-year-old who says, why would you make the same mistake twice? So <laughs> I've now got my parenting thrown back at me. <laughs> so, you know, it's okay to make a mistake, but don't make the same one twice. So anyway, Was that's what I did. Off, then? It was, and I just don't know what went wrong. I'm, I'm sort of blaming the oven, but... Give I, it I, up. Yeah. Stop. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. And I have reached a, a, a lockdown video high when I actually turned up on a Zoom call with my dressing gown on this week. Oh, yes. I know about this because it was with me. <laughs> and then you went... Clive came in and said, what are you doing with your dressing gown? And you went, it's only Jay. <laughs> I was like, oh, cheers. But it did make me think that things have, have really sort of changed. And, and our listeners can't see this, but I am sat here in a vest. And our guest is sat in a vest. And at one point before we started recording, Jane said to me, have you actually got any clothes on? So, yes. I your hair's covering your straps. You actually look like you've got nothing on. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway... Um, what have you been up to, Jane? Um, well, this weekend, well, the weather's been great, hasn't it? So we had two barbecues this weekend, one at a friend's house on Saturday and then one at my sister's house on Sunday. So that's been nice to start catching up with people, you know, in real life. Um, then yesterday, I gave myself the day off. So Ooh. I'd got... Um, I'd got the plumber coming because we're having a new boiler. Um, so I needed to be at home. Obviously, I'm used to working at home anyway. But I just thought, Do you know what? I'm just going to, it's going to be hard work working with all that racket going on. Um, the weather's going to be nice. So I'm, I'm going to actually take the day off. And I must admit, I did, I did look through my emails, but I didn't read any of them. I just checked that there wasn't anything that was like mega urgent. So, and I got up really early, probably the earliest I've got up in three months. Um, because the plumber was coming early. And then, so by half past seven, I was in the garden painting the fence. Great. And so that's finished. I've got a 
nice racer style tan racer back you know those vests that <laughs> burnt me back um yeah but the garden's looking good now so happy days happy days yeah yeah just just in time we've got i think we've got one or two more days of sun and then we're back to work our poor june weather again aren't we yeah make most of it yeah so i think we should introduce our guest and um we should really call um she's lisa unwin and um you are our, our real first stranger guest so everybody that we've had on the podcast one of us has met before but i did know of you before because you are a sort of distant relative or some kind of relative of somebody that I know, Darren and Sam. Um, so I'll introduce you. You started your career at Arthur Anderson. Um, you followed that on with um, a role at Deloitte's. You are the co-author with Deb Khan of a book called She's Back. You are currently CEO and co-founder of Reignite and you are a mum of two teenagers. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah. So we love to talk careers and stories on the podcast. And I've been um, Googling you and looking around your profile and stalking you. <laughs> um, and you did, a, you did a degree in banking and finance at Loughborough Uni. So what actually, I'm interested, how do you go from banking and finance? I know I'm, I'm guessing now you got into Arthur Anderson, but you can talk to us about that, but then to end up with a, a business that is in the legal sector, but also you're an author, which I'm really impressed about because one of my sort of secret things is that I would like to write a book. Oh, <laughs> that's, a t- that's a different story. <laughs> talk, to, talk to me about that separately. Um, so, so how did I end up here? Interesting. I, I um, I do a training course for people who are looking to uh, future-proof their careers and think about where they go next. And the first exercise I get them to do is a five stepping stones exercise. And I just get them to to tell me the five decisions or um, things that got them to where where they are. And and, and to help them out, I share my five stepping stones as to why I got here today. And so that helps me answer this. And, and the first thing is that when I was, so I grew up in South Yorkshire and my dad had his own business. My mum was a teacher. And when I was about 15, 16, my, dad, my dad's business nearly went bankrupt. And so it was a really tricky time. And that, but it was followed not long after that by the miners' strike. So loads of people were losing their jobs. The economy was shit. And I just thought, you know what? I, I, I never want to be reliant on a man for my income. I always want to earn a decent amount of money. And I was really good at maths, so I thought that means I need to do, I need to have a career in business. That means I need to do a really hard-nosed career. And, and I, I was also good at French, but I ditched the French and decided that maths was the way forward. And so I, I, did, I did banking and finance at Loughborough, which was essentially, it was an economics degree, but with a heavy banking and finance bent. And, and from there, I then joined Arthur Anderson as a graduate and trained as an accountant hated that but luckily for me they were they were setting up Arthur Anderson was setting up a consulting business and I got the opportunity to move into that business so I became a management consultant and and loved that career and and I moved into doing a lot of um, on big consulting projects I'd do the change management piece so I'd look at leadership communication all the human behavioral aspects of change which were much more interesting to me than 
implementing new systems or whatever. So, so I became a management consultant and, and I made partner in Arthur Anderson, which was my big ambition. Um, because when, you, when, when I graduated at 22, it seemed to me that making partner was going to be the pinnacle of my career. And I made partner at 34, 35. Thought I'd made it and forgot that actually at 34, 35, you've still got 30 years of your career ahead and, and lots can change. And boy, did things change because the year after I made partner, I don't know whether you remember the Enron scandal, but Arthur Anderson was the auditors of Enron, Enron collapsed, Anderson collapsed, and um, the whole firm in the UK, we, for a while we didn't know what was going to happen, but we ended up being sold to Deloitte. And then what happened was that um, I had been on maternity leave, so when we were sold to Deloitte, I had no fees against my name, so instead of being taken over as a partner, I went over as a director, which was a demotion, um, and... So that was a bit of a kick in the teeth, um, but I'd got a baby. I was self-employed as a partner, so I couldn't do anything around unfair dismissal or whatever. So I, so I took the job as a director and it, that enabled me to work three days a week, which I wouldn't have been able to do as a partner. So I thought, okay, well, let, let's, I'll take it on the chin. And, I, and because I'd done a lot of change management, I helped with the integration of Deloitte and Anderson because um, it was a big talent management issue. That was successful. I then had another baby. This is more than five stepping stones. I know I've, I've <laughs> got straight from my, my original point. So I had another baby. And then they, they, I went four days a week and I became director of brand and communication, which was a big job. I had a big, I had a team of about 35, big budget. And I fully expected that I was on track to be promoted to partner because although I wasn't fee earning, I got this big role reported to the CEO, et cetera, et cetera. You can tell where this is going because clearly yeah. I'm still at Deloitte. Um, <laughs> And there was one week in the summer of 2008 when um, I found out I wasn't going to be made partner because the CEO had decided that you couldn't be a partner unless you were fee earning, despite me having this big role. And the same week, my kids were four and six at the time, and my nanny, who'd been with us since my son was born, she told me she was leaving to move out of London. And I thought, you know what? Sod it. Or words to that effect. I will... Who needs a job where I'm not valued? I will... And my husband had a big job. He was traveling around the world quite a lot. I thought, stuff it, I'll, I'll leave work and I'll look after the kids myself. Um, and that, so that was 2008. Kids were four and six. And nobody told me that they wouldn't be four and six forever. And I'd better have a plan as to what I was going to do when I wanted to get my career back on track. So consequently, five years later, six years later, I, I think, now this is true. I was in the kitchen, probably either making bolognese sauce or cupcakes and the, the woman's hour power list was on and it, it made me think crikey what's happened to my career I think I was gosh how old was I maybe 46 at the time um, and I just thought crap I've got 20 years ahead of me and I've no idea how I'm going to get a career back on track I've got earnings potential I've got ambition that's still unfilled unfulfilled I, 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 I want to be more than a, a mother in a you know I was doing voluntary work and, and I was a magistrate um, but I wanted more and I just couldn't figure out how to get back. But instead of going and getting myself a job, I, I then thought, actually, this, this is an issue for hundreds, if not thousands of women. Everybody I was meeting at the school gates were in the same situation. Mostly women, mostly had had professional careers. A lot of them had dropped out or stepped back or were taking jobs way below their potential just to fit them around school hours. And so with a friend of mine, Deb Carr, and I set up a company called She's Back to shine a light on that issue met lots of other people and ended up writing my book, She's Back, Your Guide to Returning to Work, to, to explain to people how to get their careers back on track because it's not as simple as going to a recruiter and saying, here I am, 
look how valuable I am. Take me. You've got, there's a lot of, there's a lot you need to do. So that's, and then as a, throughout that work, I met my, Melinda and Steph were my co-founders of the Reignite Academy. And we realized that there was a massive issue in the legal sector. And what Re, the Reignite Academy does is we specifically help women return to their legal careers. Um, and we have large um, corporate law firms, our members, and they, they pay us a membership fee. And then we help place, or we were helping place people back into law firms before, um, before lockdown happened. So that's sort of, that's where I got to, how I got to where I am today. I, I was uh, reading an article earlier, um, just in preparation for our chat. And um, there were, I think there were five steps in this article. I don't mm. know if it, oh, there were five tips, I think. Mm-hmm. It was. And the final one, I'm, I'm going to read it out. It says, be nice, help other people in, with your time, contacts and skills, and they will help you. And that is absolutely mm. my philosophy. And James, it's yours as well, isn't it? Yeah, massively. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I think it's a trait that a lot of women have quite naturally anyway. Um, I, I, I can't recall what the other five steps are, I'm sorry. But uh, anyway, I really enjoyed reading yeah. and I'm enjoying reading the book as well. So uh, I know I chatted to, um, I'd ask a couple of friends at um, Cisco if they'd read the book and one of the girls came back and said, I absolutely wish I'd read this book yeah. when I was coming, when I was yeah. thinking about coming back to work and, and you're right. You, I, I never did the school, the school gates, school run because I was full on in my mm-hmm. group at that time. And, um, but I do know lots of friends, um, that, are, you know, that really do struggle. And I think confidence is, is a massive thing when you've had a baby. Um, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And you feel, you feel really alone as well, don't you? You think that it's only happening to you and it's not until you kind of look back in hindsight and you're like, Oh my God, that's not just me. That's a big, yeah. a big thing. Yeah. It's interesting what you said about, um, about your dad um, and kind of going, I need to earn my my own money. I need to never rely on a career, on, on a man um, because so many people you know ditch the career don't they and then they end up divorced or whatever and then <sighs> well there's a i mean i wrote an article um a while ago which is which was called why you need to treat motherhood in your career like a game of chess and we and, and the reason for that article was i was approached by the sunday times who were writing a piece about um the cost of childcare, and they were basically saying uh, loads of women give up their careers because of the cost of childcare, and they wanted a response to that and i was I, my response was well yeah and isn't it weird because children have two parents usually so why do we always compare the cost of childcare with that with the income of the mother for a start um but but even if you know that aside even if, that, that's a big issue but if we can get over that the other thing to think about is yes childcare is expensive and we need to do something about that but your your career needs to last you an awful long time and if if you're not careful you give up your career for you think you're giving up for two or three years and actually it ends up being longer than that. It's very hard to get back. But your loss of income, your loss of earnings potential when you try to get back, you've, your market value has dropped like a stone if you've not been in work. And it's really hard to get it back. So I sort of say to people, you've got to think long term. And it might be that you have to make some sacrifices in, the, in those early years or when childcare is expensive and when maybe you want to work part time and you don't get that promotion. And it's all really tough. But if, if you're smart and savvy and you think about the long term, 
and you put some pieces in play, you can make sure that you come out of that period stronger and, and, and more valuable. And I certainly didn't do that. So I'm, I'm not saying do as I do, but I've <laughs> learned the hard way. Yeah, which is why you're in a good place to be able to advise others. Yes, I can I've been there. Here's I've the mistakes there, I made. Yeah. yeah. Well, I really liked in one of the articles that I read, it says it described you as a plain speaking. <laughs> That's how I like to be described. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah say it I don't, like, I don't yeah. think we know how to speak any other way. <laughs> say it as it is. Yeah. I, I've you know what we're recording this podcast and things can go wrong I've just <laughs> gonna have to move nobody can see this except for you two but we're having the outside of our house painted today and the guys just decided to paint my window <laughs> <laughs> I'm just moving oh, she's on the move where are you gonna go then I'm now in number one son's bedroom <laughs> oh. sorry we digress <laughs> <laughs> back on track so tell us about the book then um so the, she's back and yeah was so the, what, the result of the business or were you always thinking about the book the, the book was a result of the business okay so the more i worked in she, the, with she's back the more i the more i met other people and spoke to people about how hard it was and the difficulties people faced the more i i, I sort of learned about different pieces of the jigsaw and then and i and oh the other thing is that i found that i really enjoyed writing i've you've probably seen I've got uh, I'm a LinkedIn top voice and that that came about because I'd written the book and needed to sell it but also I just really enjoy writing and it's interesting that um, I've ended up my career now is about communication and campaigning and changing women's careers and it's nothing to do with finance and accounting and all of the things that I set out to do which I think is quite interesting but um, so so I've I'd got lots of stories I enjoyed writing and I thought I'd, I need to get this message out there to more people about what you need to do. So that's why I, that's why I wrote the book. And, um, and it, it be, I, I thought, so the, the beginning, the, the first bit of is what's going on and why we're in this situation. So everybody's not on their own. Um, and, but then the, the main sort of, there's nine chapters of the nine steps that you need to take to get your career back on track. And then there's a bit at the end is, is why there's hope. And, I, and of those nine chapters, I thought the first one, would be all about um, being clear on your personal brand and what it is you want to do and what value you've got to add, et cetera. And, but when I, I met a few people and I spoke to a friend of mine who'd just gone back to teaching after a 14 year break. And I realized that the first chapter was not about your personal brand and what you'd want to do. It's actually dealing with the stories in your head that are telling you it's not time. It's not possible. The kids won't cope without you. All of the, 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 the fallacies that you let go on in your head to stop you that prevent you moving forward. And that was because my friend Jenny, when I said to her, you know, what made you go back to teaching after 14 years? And she said, actually, I said, why did you know, know the time was right? And she said, the time was right three years ago, but I kept telling myself it was too late or the kids wouldn't cope without me. And she said, and part of it was thinking, actually, if I go back and, and the family copes, then what have I been about? Like, what mm -hmm. is the point of me? So, so, it was through talking to people that I was able to put in some case studies and enrich different bits of the, the story and get the, get the whole thing right. Um, so the last, the, the ninth of those chapters is, is about staying back because it's not just about getting a role that you're happy with. It's about how you're then going to make it work and how do you get through the first six months so that you don't think, Oh God, this is a disaster. I shouldn't mm -hmm. have done this. Yeah. Yeah. It's what I've just been, um, as Michelle said, I'm working my way through. I've got it here. I'm on page 
93, but I have just read um, Jennifer, isn't it? Yeah, Jennifer, yeah. I have just read her story, like, this morning. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what, so far, I like about the book is that it is it is about real people and, it, and the issues yeah. in it, I mean, as a woman with a child myself, yeah. I can really relate. Jenny's interesting because one of the things stopping her going back was she said the, the teacher she used to be was the sort of teacher that would arrive before the care, caretaker. Mm-hmm. She'd be there at seven o'clock in the morning and she'd be there at seven o'clock in the evening. And she thought, you know, I still do have to, I've got two children when I go back and, and okay, they're older, but they still need me. And I, so I can't be that sort of, I can't be the teacher I used to be. And, and that was holding her back. Um, but one of her children has got special educational needs and she actually she did some training to become a special educational needs teacher um and she said she she isn't the teacher she used to be but she's better she doesn't work those long hours but she's much more able to advise parents of kids with special needs because she's been a mother with special needs but equally she's you know she's a 45 year old woman she's sensible she's she doesn't need to put the hours in she can find other ways of delivering value but but her her notion of what good looked like had to change for her to be able to go back and go back in a really positive, different way. Yeah. I know it's um, a, a lot smaller number, but it's becoming more um, popular for for the father to take mm-hmm. a year break. When I say more popular, I know it's not in the big numbers, but it is definitely a thing now, which when we were having our children, it wasn't a thing yeah. then. Um, you know, it was rare if there was a dad you know doing the 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 let's say the stay at home yeah. stuff do you think that men have the same challenges in their head around returning to work after a career break i don't know any men who've taken more than 3 to 6 months um and then gone back i know men who've become primary breadwinners um and not gone back uh, or, or not just not gone back into the same sort of role um, so I think it's tricky to say um, I do think that men taking even just shared parental leave and being more involved as parents early on and the couple setting out to share both careers and childcare would make a massive difference to everybody's lives mm. um, so I think that's a really good thing um, whether they'll face the same prejudice I don't know I think it's been interesting in this um, this lockdown period because I I've I have heard anecdotal feedback that on Zoom calls, for instance, if a bloke's on a Zoom call and the child comes into the background, it's, oh gosh, you know, isn't he fabulous? He's a family man. And if a woman's in, in, on a Zoom call and the child comes in the background, there's like, oh God, could you not control a kid's sort of thing? So I still think there's prejudice in the workplace, but it's getting better slowly. But we can't wait for other people to make it better. No, no, my um, my sister-in-law just had a baby and, and my brother-in-law being given six weeks paternity leave by his company, which I think is brilliant. Mm, yeah. Because um, yeah. it always used to be sort of two weeks. But, mm. um, yeah, you mentioned uh, lockdown and the pandemic and we, we like to understand how your business has reacted in, at this time. So have you had to make wholesale change or... Is it business as usual or how's it going? Well, it's not business as usual because what we do is we place lawyers back into new jobs and most law firms have got a hiring freeze. So in that sense, you know, 
it's not it's um, in fact the first couple of days of lockdown I just wanted to cry because I thought oh that's my business stuffed because law firms are not hiring and they've put a freeze on discretionary spend so they're not going to be joining us as members so basically we've got no income um but I then sort of thought well that's not much of a way to lead and uh so I need to be a bit more creative than that and so we are, we are, the, the, there is a little bit of hiring going on. So where there's hiring into um, specific areas, we're putting our people forward. Um, but equally, what, we're then taking the opportunity to rethink what our membership is all about. And so, for example, we are we're rethinking. It just used to be about placing people into law firms, but actually we've got a lot of knowledge and expertise around how women can progress their careers. So we're developing our training offer. And that the course I mentioned, the Future Proof Your Career course, at the moment we're doing that for individuals because law firms have put a freeze on spending. But we hope to be able to then offer that to our, our member firms as something additional that if they become members, they can get access to. So that's been quite it's been really interesting. It's given me time to develop that training that I wouldn't have had, had we not had this forced pause. The other thing I'm doing is every Tuesday we do a, um, a Zoom interview with somebody who we find inspiring and interesting. And this week we interviewed a woman who works in financial services and a female lawyer come coach who are both black. And the topic of the conversation was what are the challenges black people face at work and what can we do to help? It was really good. It was really interesting. And that's something, again, I would never have had the, the time or the inclination to do because I would have been busy chasing my tail with the business as usual. So it's been, it's, you know, in some senses, it's been good for us. Income-wise, not so good, but that's short term, hopefully. Yeah, I think, um, I think that, that kind of sums up my feelings at the, at the beginning. It was just like, oh, shit. Mm. Because I, I work in marketing, so mm. all my clients just went, oh, we don't need to stop spending any money. Um, and I go, no, don't mm. stop talking. <laughs> but they do anyway. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and I'm the same. Financially, it's been an absolute nightmare, but I've had time to concentrate on other things and learn mm-hmm. learn things about, you know, because uh, marketing moves on so quickly, especially in the digital arena, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, I've been able to take the time out to to learn a few yeah. new skills and things like that which yeah. I wouldn't ever ever have no and and we've been our philosophy then was to say right okay well how can we continue to be helpful to our clients and helpful to our candidates so the the interview I just did with Yvonne and um, Janine this morning before this call I was just sending a link out to all of our the heads of DNI at all our member firms saying this interview is really good it's got some very helpful hints and tips here's a resource for you you know you can share share it with internally if, or use it to stimulate discussion and with our candidates I've been putting on fairly regular free sessions around how to use LinkedIn to do your job search or how to uh, use it to build your brand I'm going to have to start charging a small amount for those um, but so far we've managed to do them for free but you can only do so much but it's about being helpful yeah I, I agree and I think we're coming out of that time now where I think lots of people have been giving their services for free and it does have a value and and it is about that being kind in fact I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about this new kindfulness which I thought oh it's you know it's a re- it's really nice that whole kindness move movement that's sort of happening um but reality is hitting us we you know yeah. people expect to be charged now and yeah. And I, I think it's sort of happening around now. Yeah, so. I think so. I think, and I think I, I wrote a, you know, I was, the, the, 
long story, but something happened last week that triggered me to share an article on LinkedIn, um, which is called, No, You Can't Pick My Brain, It Costs Too Much. Did you see that? Oh, the guy commented. Oh, oh my God. It's a fabulous article. I first came across it a couple of weeks ago, sorry, a couple of years ago, and it was by someone who's self-employed, got her own business, and basically she's saying, I'm sick of people asking me if they can pick my brains and they want a coffee and they want me to give my expertise away for free. But this is expertise that I've spent 30 years building up. So, and, and it has some really, really good advice for people. And, and I know a lot of female entrepreneurs who we run our own businesses and you can guarantee that come January, February, we'll have very large organizations coming and asking us if we'll speak at their International Women's Day event. And they expect that we'll do that for free in order to, you know, have profile with their fabulous audience. And I'm now like, no, do you have a budget? Because I'm not going to an event where everybody in the room is being paid. And the only mug who's there giving her time away for free is me on the stage. I'm not doing it. I'll do things for free for charities, for my own community, uh, for people who need it, but not for multi-million dollar organisations. No, thank you very much. Mm. I, I totally agree. And, and I have a rule of thumb that if, if people ask for my advice, I, would, I will give them two pieces of low-hanging fruit. Yeah, yeah. And that's my free bit. And yeah. after that, it's chargeable. But it has been really difficult. It is difficult. It's really... And I think when you're first setting up a business, it's really tempting to think, oh, well, I'm building my network, I'm building my reputation. And, and it is, it's very easy to find yourself just giving so much, doing too much for free. And then you've got no business because people expect it and they don't put a value on what you're doing. I mean, my low hanging fruit is my book costs £7.72 on Amazon at the moment, I think. So that's my, like, yeah, go there, go buy that. Yeah, that's a nice gift. So I actually hoodwinked Jane into doing this podcast series with me back in October, November time. And um, I did a whole sales pitch on her. So I did a presentation. Mm. This is what we're going to do. And and she agreed, thankfully. And um, I had a bit of a brainwave last week and I sent her a message and I said, we're going to write a book. And she didn't reply for it. <laughs> I was like, oh, she thinks that I've got this uh, brain idea again. Anyway, um, we, we're getting our head around it, aren't we? Aren't we, Jane? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Michelle wants to write a book, but what Michelle's not telling you is that all the writing that goes into like our show notes and stuff like that, <laughs> I do that. <laughs> Basically, she wants me to write a book and put her name on it. <laughs> I've said before, I'm, a, I'm really good at delegation. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen... It's now at that time in the podcast, Lisa, that we play the game. So I'm going to shuffle the cards. And okay. if you say stop, I will ask you a question. Stop. Okay. If you were a doctor, what speciality would you choose? Oh, breast cancer. Is oh, that cancer. talking... Because it's close to you are. Yeah. Yeah, because I know so many people have suffered from it. And, yeah, there's one particular person at the moment. Mm, it's just horrible. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I don't think I'd be able to choose that because... Choose any because... I'd have to be some kind of doctor that's not medical because I don't do... Yeah. <laughs> blood and... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay. I, 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 I just not, I couldn't be a doctor. I don't mind blood and stuff like that. I'm just mm. not that particularly caring. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
You've just been saying about how kind you are. Well, no, I'm kind, but I can't, I'm not very good with, you know, I don't know. I, I am kind and I genuinely want to see others thrive and that kind of thing. But when it comes to, you know, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, oh my God, I'm making myself sound like a right evil. You, think you don't have the right bedside manner. I don't have the bedside manner, no. I'm too selfish. Good. Right, next one. Stop. What is the most beautiful place you've ever seen? Oh, um, the Alps from the top of a mountain in Val d'Isere. I just love it. That is a beautiful view. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. something about the air and it's not just the view, it's knowing that... The reason I love skiing is because... Um, so my kids are now 15 and 18 and, it, and it's a holiday that they will always come on with us. We, we can do it together. Actually, we can't really do it together anymore because they're way faster than me. But, um, you know, it's, a, it's, it's an active holiday. You're out in the fresh air. You forget about everything else. You can do it as a family. That's why I love it. And, and the views are lovely as well, but it's not just the view. I'm, I'm totally with you. And we uh, ski as a family. But like you say, I, I'm like the slowest in the family. <laughs> I'm rubbish compared to everybody else. But I, I love that being on top of the mountain feeling and mm. especially when it's a clear day and you can yeah, see yeah 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 do you ski jane no have no. you ever cried don't like being cold <laughs> um no but it's funny that when you said that about the mountains and it reminded me of a time i went to um switzerland when my sister did her degree she had um i think it was three months or something like that working out in switzerland and i went to visit and it was on I can't remember the name of the day, like National Switzerland Day or whatever. Um, and she worked on a on a one of the boats on the on the lake, and so they had fireworks. We were in the middle of the lake, and the fireworks were just all echoing off the mountains and stuff like that. That was, you know, stunning. It just reminded me of that I'd completely forgotten. Oh, that's I think I'd like to go back to Switzerland. Yeah, yeah. Next one. Stop. What is your favourite day of the week? Oh, um, I think it's probably a Friday. At, at the moment, it's probably a Friday because Mondays are miserable. I get up on a Monday and everything seems too hard. And I think it's maybe because I've got a hangover from Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> so Mondays are shit, basically, because I, I have doom and gloom on a Monday. And then Tuesdays are really good because I have a clear head. Uh, so Tuesday, Wednesday, I start to achieve things. Thursday, we, we check in with some friends of ours who live in Val, Val d'Isere, actually. And that starts to... So my, my work life starts to get better, and then my social life starts to get better on a, on a Thursday. So Friday, I'm really optimistic and hopeful, and I like Fridays. And I tend to do some work on a Friday. So it's a mixture of work and social, and then I've got the weekend ahead. Yeah, Fridays. Yeah. yeah. I like Sundays. Um because it's probably one of the only days where I have time to cook. You know, so we're trying to have a Sunday dinner and we might invite, not at the moment, obviously, but, you know, friends or family around and their family and we'll have a big Sunday dinner and, and my child actually sits at the table and talks to me for more than three minutes. Um, and, yeah, have a few, have a couple of glasses of wine with your Sunday dinner and then just chill out in the evening. Mm -hmm. I like that. You've just described my perfect day. Have I? Well, yeah. well well, you That's can come, what we you do. come for our um, for Sunday dinner when we're allowed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Family. 
Never, Thank you. We will do. Each other's family, have we? No, so yeah, my my boys don't make arrangements for Sundays because they've we've always said it's a family day. Mm. I think that might change now. There's a girlfriend on the scene, but um, we we try and keep that as the this is for family and friends. And um, Sunday's my favourite drinking day, Lisa. So, <laughs> um, I try and sort of stop early evenings. So yeah, yeah. Not right off. <laughs> But uh, yeah, listen, you've been an absolutely fab guest. It's been great to meet you. Really nice um, to meet you. Thank you um, for having me. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, and just in case anybody listening wants to know more about you or what you offer, the book, I mean, like you said, Amazon, £7.77. Yeah, something seven, think like that. Um, and it is, it is a good book. I'm, I'm, I'm reading through it and I'm going to read it all. Um, and it is, even though for me, that what what we what you're describing happened 13 years ago um it's still inspiring to read it now mm-hmm. like you said michelle if, uh, you know I, i'm gonna give i'm gonna put this book in my in my office um and i'm gonna say to anybody i know who's um on a career break you need to read this mm-hmm. definitely cool great thank you yes thank you very thank much. you very much See you later.